welcome to the Ask the Expert podcast, where you'll learn key insights, tips, and strategies from experts across the globe to help you create the life and business of your dreams. Now, let's welcome your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Cross, and today I'm with Laurie Rosenberg, and we're going to be talking about how to build your client base quickly even if you've just started your law practice. Now, let me introduce Laurie to you. Laurie Rosenberg is the founder and CEO of Ideas Consultation and Coaching LLC, where she consults and works with immigration lawyers and professionals so they can achieve winning results for their clients by brilliantly analyzing, strategizing, and persuasively briefing and resolving complex legal issues and client cases. Laurie coaches dedicated lawyers, leaders, and entrepreneurs to break through performance, productivity and prosperity barriers, helps them to adopt a winning mindset, unleash their unique potential and confidently leverage their expertise so they can create phenomenal prosperity and fulfillment. Now she's an accomplished attorney, an author, a trainer and former appeals judge and Laurie provides insightful mentoring and coaching programs that allows her clients to quickly transform stress overwhelm and limiting beliefs that often keep high achieving women and men from fully realizing their individual brilliance and potential. Welcome to the show, Laurie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Anne-Marie. Now, I know that building a client base is something that many lawyers, especially if they're just starting out their law practice, can struggle with, and even law practices that have been around for a while. So what are some of the common problems that you see that your clients have faced who are either just starting their business and setting up their law practice, or they've had their law practice for a while? Well, whether someone has just started up their law practice or has been working in an established law practice for some time, there's always the question of the continuous flow of clients. Lawyers, like any other entrepreneurs that are in solo practices or small offices, need to keep their client flow steady and they you know, need to have some type of a system for doing that. Unfortunately, many do not. So what they see is often an ebb and a flow where they're 24-7 busy for a period of time and then suddenly nobody's ringing the phone. And it's a common problem, particularly when a practice does not have a particular target market or focus for the clients that they serve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then if there is this issue that's occurring that, you know, the phone is not ringing and there's no prospects coming through the door, what do you see as a common reason for that this keeps occurring? And also, what's the alternative? Is there something that law practices can experience? Okay, let's talk about the reason this is occurring first. I think there are three situations that give rise to this problem. One is the situation I just described, which is lawyers tending to be reactive instead of proactive. Law practices may not have a plan or articulated goals, and one of the common problems in that case is often that they feel they have to take any viable client who walks in the door. That leads lawyers to often misjudge the client whose case they take, and they don't realize what it would be like to work with them on an ongoing basis. 
Another situation is where you have a law practice that is attracting a single source of clients. Maybe the source of clients is a common workplace or a common area of work, or maybe it is a common community. And sometimes a single source of clients is going to present the lawyer with clients who are presenting frustrating situations who may be uncooperative or not the most preferable clients to have, Mm -hmm. and they can create some undesirable complications, whether it has to do with not coming through with documents in their case, not cooperating in preparing their case, or even in paying their fees. Mm-hmm. Then you have the last category is where you have a law practice that has a well-established client area of focus, and they've been working in it for some time. But, you know, in some cases, the lawyers in that practice may be getting a bit bored. It may be too routine, or they're stuck on a particular level with that established client area, and they want to change it or broaden it or even take it up to the next level to Mm -hmm. build their practice. Sure. So you've mentioned those three key reasons. Is there a way that law practices can turn this around easily? Yeah, actually, I believe there is. And I think that one of the problems is that when the law firm doesn't realize that they can have a more self-identified and deliberate focus, and they remain scattered and all over the place, without planning, they really don't have a chance to leverage their current successes. And this is especially problematic, of course, when it's a startup law practice. They can turn this around pretty easily, I think, by being more methodical and following my five-step niche identification plan. That's a way that lawyers can get to know their own practice so much better and reap the benefits in new clients and new types of cases. Okay, five-step niche identification plan. You've got me really curious. So I'd love to know a little bit more about this plan. Okay, well, there are several steps to the entire system. But to start, a lawyer, of course, needs to stop for a moment and take stock of her skills her vision, her interests, and her goals, as well as to clearly identify the problems her potential client is having and the solutions that the client needs from that lawyer. I think there's a magic combination of three elements. It's identifying and taking a look at the people you serve. In other words, the people that you work with as a lawyer and Secondly, is what is the important problem you help those clients solve? Thirdly, it's then using your special client system to put your magic to work for those clients. Now, this has to be a harmonious interaction. And when a lawyer has a clear idea of who the people are that she is serving, who are the people she's working with the best, what is the important problem that they have that you can help them resolve? And what is your system for resolving that problem? Then you've got a lawyer and a law practice that can develop a viable, lucrative, and valuable niche 
and a super satisfying practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those three key areas that you mentioned, you know, of finding out who are the people that you serve and that you want to work with. What's the problem that you help them solve and incorporating your special client system? Now, this really does make sense. But Laurie, I know many law practices out there are thinking niching, refining, narrowing my target market. Isn't that going to limit the business's growth? I'd love to hear you sort of speak a bit more about that. Right. I know that lawyers are concerned about that because I've heard that so many times. And I've also heard lawyers say, I don't have the luxury of picking and choosing who my clients are going to be. And I think that is in itself so limiting, much more limiting than being selective about Mm. clients and about the niche or the group of clients with whom you're going to work. I'd say the lawyers who are concerned about that don't see this as a limiter. Instead, what you're doing is you're going narrower and deeper for your main client focus. And you see very soon that narrowing that focus will ultimately broaden your reach. Now, you know why that happens, Mm Anne-Marie, is because as soon as you start performing on a level of excellence with this one group of clients that and their problems, and you're getting those winning results, then other people that know them who may not be in the same group or category, maybe a relative or maybe a coworker, looks over at that client and wonders, wow, I want some of that. What are they getting from their lawyer? Why is their case going so well? So pretty soon, the lawyer who does that, who does go narrow and deep and focuses in on one main client niche, will find herself being in demand from other sources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so very important. And I know that you've got a number of success stories. And I think sharing success stories about how other lawyers in their law practices decided to niche their business can be a great example of how they can do it as well. So do you want to share some success stories about law practices that you've worked with that have niched and through doing so have really generated, you know, an incredible client base and uh, a incredible referral system? Because I know that there's some great uh, stories there. Absolutely. And, you know, what happens is that when you focus in on a particular group of clients, those clients will pay top dollar because the lawyer becomes known as an expert who has comprehensive knowledge, connections, and experience in resolving a particular problem. And other lawyers as well know about that. So it's not only that the clients come to the law practice, but other lawyers are making referrals to that law practice. And I want to give you some idea of the types of niching that I've seen some practices undertake or Mm -hmm. some individual lawyers. And one example, for instance, might be a lawyer who works with foreign students. Now, that lawyer is focusing his or her energies on not just the foreign student population, of course, but the schools, the colleges, the universities that are going to be admitting those students, but that's going to be the particular focus there. Now, what types of problems is that lawyer going to be 
solving, that may be more varied. In that case, you're going to have a lawyer who is focusing on a niche that's defined by the type of clients that that lawyer is going to be serving. Another example that may not be defined so much by the type of clients being served, but the type of legal issue being addressed would be a criminal immigration defense expert. Now, somebody in that category is going to be attracting clients who have problems having been in the U.S. criminal justice system or possibly even a foreign criminal justice system who needs to overcome those difficulties in order to qualify for benefits in the United States or to keep from being thrown out of the United States. There, you've got a niche for a lawyer where the lawyer, it's not so much the type of clients, it could be a student, it could be an employee, it could be a family member across a range of different types of clients, but the issues are going to be similar. Mm -hmm. And that's where the expertise will come in. Yeah. So it really sounds as if it's looking what they're currently doing and seeing if there's an arm that can expand, you know, their business by really niching and focusing down. So I wonder, are there some steps that you recommend people take to start helping them to identify a niche? Sure. I can go into some of those. We won't have time for all of that here. But I do want to point out that I want to make it really clear here that in one law practice, you might have one exclusive focus, or you might have a focus that's a little bit broader and has a couple of different prongs to it, particularly if you have more than one practitioner. And I want to make clear that I am not at all drawing a line and slamming generalists, Mm. because I know that there are many, many immigration lawyers who consider themselves general practitioners. Indeed, if you think about it, you'll find yourself realizing that immigration lawyers themselves are specialists within the entire areas of law that they could focus on. So, when I talk about niching and focusing in on a particular group of clients or a particular issue area, I'm talking about a choice that is going to be developing and expanding the types of clients that will be attracted to your practice. And in the case of an expert who represents broad groups of clients, those lawyers have a level of finesse that they've developed, allowing them to handle a broad range of problems. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, particularly in legal services or in pro bono casework, sometimes that is in and of itself a niche, the ability to handle a broad group of individuals who may not be able to afford counsel, for example. Now, the steps that I recommend, as I said, we can't go through all of them, but I can tell you this, that the first step in redefining your niche or defining it for the first time, in either case, you really want to start out with your mindset, And the mindset is one that is going to be an ideal client mindset. That is an outlook that's going to represent your true calling in the sense of who is the perfect client that you want to attract to you. Mm 
Now, it doesn't mean you have to start all over, start from scratch. You can definitely reboot your business. Now, the first thing, however, is to look at what emotional blocks might be preventing you from successfully niching your practice. Mm -hmm. Are there some fears that might exist? You know, sometimes a lawyer or a practitioner in a larger law office is afraid to kind of strike out and stake out that territory. Maybe there's a a fear of of failure, making a mistake, or a, a fear of inadequacy, maybe not knowing enough to claim that area of practice. Those are emotional blocks including fears of success, fears of failure, and other emotional limitations that we really need to get past, because otherwise, you're going to stay right where you are. Mm. And I think that that's so important, the mindset, because if you haven't addressed that in any fears, blocks and barriers, and that being such an important step, and the first step, which I'm assuming is what you take all of your clients through when you're taking them through this process, yes? Yes, absolutely. So if they get stuck on this certain area, it's very difficult then to build further foundations and taking them through the other steps. So if people are still struggling with this, this is something that they really do need to work through, yes? That's absolutely correct. And there are some very simple and straightforward ways to deal with this. There are ways that you can walk yourself through these blocks that you may find that you have. Even just the fear of change or doing something differently can really become an obstacle for some people. Mm. And of course, it never turns out to be as threatening or all-encompassing as it might seem. But it's something that it's often very helpful to walk through with a coach. And I love to offer my clients that opportunity because it can have just really life-changing results, not just in the workplace, but sometimes in other contexts as well, at home and relationships and so on. Yeah, and at the end of today's call, we'll certainly give you an opportunity, Laurie, to share how people can get in contact with you if they need support working through this. Because one of the things that, uh, you know, I thought of as you were talking about change and, you know, going through this niching process and looking at restructuring a law practice is, can I really do it? You know, other people might be able to do it, but it's certainly going to be impossible for me. And that really is a mindset barrier, isn't it? That's right. And, you know, that's the thing is that that's one of the things that keeps people stuck right where they are. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier, that fear of, you know, what if you turn down a client, a client comes knocking on your door and is not in your niche. And so, you know, what, if can you really possibly say no to that client? What if no other client comes this week? Yeah. And that's such a pervasive fear among entrepreneurs and law practitioners. You know, we really have to get over it. Instead, I think it's so much more important, instead of looking at the lack of who isn't going to be there and who isn't going to come, is to identify who is going to be our target market? Who's going to value from our work? Who needs us? Yes. And where can we have the greatest impact? Yeah. Because if we focus on that, we're not going to be, you know, it'll be less possible 
that will fall into that trap of just staying where we are. Yeah. And I love the saying, what you focus on expands. And so what you were speaking about earlier about being fearful, having those emotional blocks, if you continue to look at those particular areas, the issues, the problems, the challenges, guess what you're going to continue to attract to your law practice. And you're saying, you know what, let's try and attract (laughs) your ideal client and let's do that so in, in droves. So that's the first step. Very, very important all around the mindset for your perfect niche that represents your true calling. Love that step. Now, you mentioned you were going to share one other step. What one is that? Yeah, I have another one that I think is really important. And it's something I think we overlook because it may be right in front of us. And that is that identifying and being very clear about who values our work, who needs our work, and where we can have the greatest impact on the law and on our clients comes from not answering the question, what do you do? Because uh, that question is usually answered by someone stating what their profession is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an accountant, or I'm a lawyer, or whatever it might be. And instead, What's really important to have a solid niche and a solid identity within your niche is to really break out the components of your work and what you do. So instead of just labeling yourself as a lawyer or a coach or an accountant, what are you in the business of doing? For example, you're not just a lawyer. What you do is you interview clients you identify problems, you collect documents that demonstrate a client's qualifications, you may litigate in court on behalf of a client, you may negotiate and resolve problems. Identifying those particular aspects of your work more concretely instead of just going under the label is very important because it puts you more in touch with the actual work that you're doing for your clients and it helps you understand not just who you're marketing to, but what are you marketing to them about yourself? What about your services will solve their problem and Mm -hmm. how are you going to solve it? Yes. So I think that's really the second step, even though it maybe maybe seems self-evident, it's really the way to identify your niche and have an identifiable niche is by looking at the components of the services you provide and what are you actually doing yeah. for your clients. That's so important because, and you mentioned a very important point, and I want to stress this because I see this happening not just in law practices, but in all service providers, is that they are so connected to their, their own business and the services that they offer that what we sometimes do is forget that other people aren't able to put two and two together. So when someone would put a label on, you know, I'm a lawyer, we assume as, as lawyers, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm putting on the hat of a lawyer because that's who we're speaking to, of course, today. But we assume that people understand that, but it's not until you actually do some explanation around the work that you do and how you support clients that someone is more going to understand more clearly what it is you do. And the more clear we are, 
the more that person that you're speaking to can put the you know connect the dots they may have someone that they know is struggling with that exact issue and how many times have you spoken to someone and you know you shared what it is that you do only later on for them to say oh I didn't know that you do that I mean I've been to numerous networking events said a number of different introductions <laughs> and that's what people I didn't know that you do that and it was like really I've been speaking to you for the last you know several months so what you're saying is really important we need to be very clear on what it is that we do you know what are the problems that we solve with our clients and be able to articulate that in a very clear and understand, right. you know way that that's someone right understands. Anne Marie mm. you know the thing about that is that is such so often overlooked it's such an oversight that we don't realize that our clients need to understand what it is that we do how we serve them and how we can serve them and we too need to realize that because I think oftentimes We take for granted what many of our talents and abilities are, many of our skills. We just assume everyone can do them, but that's not the case. And that's really no more true than it is in, you know, developing your niche and developing the focus of your practice and the target market that you want to reach. And I'll give you a little bit of a secret tip here, which is that once you know What are these components of your work? And you break down what you do and what you offer, the services that you offer your clients. It's possible, it's much easier to put those services into a package which makes your value so much more real. In other words, instead of presenting a client with a quote case, As a lawyer saying, yes, I'll represent you in court. I'll take your case to court. No, that doesn't tell them anything about all the time, all the effort, all the energy, all the ideas, all the original thinking that's going to go into their case. Therefore, doesn't represent to them the actual value of your work. It's much easier to present your client with a hefty fee, one, of course, that is totally appropriate for the amount of work that you're going to do when you know what the components are and you let the clients know what the components are. And my thinking on this is that not only do you get the benefit of niching and being able to identify more fully which clients you work with, what problems you solve, but you also can value your services much more easily. And then in another aspect of the work I do with lawyers that we'll perhaps get a chance to talk about on another day, You know, I tell my clients, my lawyer clients, to create packages of their services. Don't sum it up into one neat, quote, case. Mm. It's much better to articulate all those components so that the client knows everything that they're receiving from you. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we're going to be talking about that in an upcoming show about how to package that in a very value-added way so that uh, they can certainly charge what they're worth. Very, very important topic as well. So, Laurie, those were two very important steps, and I'm assuming that they are two steps of your five-step niche identification plan. Yes, Yes, they are. Now, if you will let me, may I give you an example of a really what I thought was a very exciting, creative way of taking an opportunity and turning it into a niche building situation. May I share that with you? Please share that example. Yes. 
Okay, great. You know, I have a young attorney that I'm working with and have been working with for some time. And of course, as a new lawyer, he is attempting to build up his practice and he hasn't really settled on a niche, but he has some ideas that he's been pursuing. And he absolutely walked into an opportunity that I thought was so exciting. And it really, you have to be aware of these factors in order to recognize an opportunity when you see one. In this situation, what happened was he was volunteering and at a community center where there was some construction going on. And it, of course, it turned out that people heard, oh, he was a lawyer. And so some of the construction workers, you know, on their break came up to him and, and said, oh, you're a lawyer. You're an immigration lawyer. Well, they wanted one of his cards. So he ended up handing out a couple cards. And then other workers came over asking for cards. And he realized that here was a potential group of individuals who really needed legal representation. Mm concerning their immigration status. And it was such a beautiful example because he kind of, you know, just walked into it without planning, of course. But once he was there, he recognized how here was a group of individuals who were employed, so they certainly could afford representation. They needed representation for themselves and their families so that they would not have to worry about being deported or challenged about their right to be in the United States or to be working, and they needed an immigration lawyer, and even better, they would make great ambassadors for his practice because if he could represent one or two of them, they would take other construction jobs, and in that context, they would run into other construction workers just like they are mm. and be able to share his cards with them and spread the word that this was one immigration lawyer who was very sympathetic to their situation, provided responsible services, and could help them and would be the attorney that they should call. So that's an example to me of making the most of of a situation where you weren't even planning to do some marketing, perhaps, but you saw the opportunity and took advantage of it. And I love the way that you said he recognized it, because I'm sure he knew all of the five steps in your five step niche identification plan. And he recognized, hey, here's an opportunity. How often do opportunities present themselves to us, yet because we we're not aware of them we just let them slip by so that is such an incredible success story and he he was aware of it and he suddenly you know it triggered hey this could be an opportunity for me to really target this uh, niche and uh, love, love that story absolutely yeah. and, and it's it's not necessarily you know it's not as easy as the ones that i mentioned to you before in the sense of you know you can fairly easily use your imagination and think, oh, foreign students, that might be an interesting niche, or persons who have had problems with the criminal justice system who are immigrants, that could be an interesting niche. But no, this was really one subset of workers or employees, but it was one that had, they had mobility, they had the capacity to 
pay for legal representation. They had the need for legal representation. And they also had the mobility that could help do the work of spreading the word about his practice. Ticked all of those boxes. <laughs> right, exactly. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, great. Now, I know many of our listeners are sitting there thinking, I wonder, I need to know what those other steps are in uh, your niche identification plan. So, Laurie, how can people get in contact with you? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to hear from listeners to this broadcast. They can reach me very, the most straightforward way would be at Laurie, L-O-R-Y, at ideaswithlaurie.com. That's I-D-E-A-S-W-I-T-H-L-O-R-Y.com. And I will happily set up a discovery session with any listener who contacts me where we can talk over their current niche, the clients they're presently serving, and where they want to go with their practice and what it will take to get them there. Mm. I would love an email from them. That's probably the quickest way to reach me. And I will get back to you. Just give me all your information when you write your email to me and I will send you the materials you need so that we can set up an appointment. And what's the best email again for you, Laurie? It's laurie at ideaswithlaurie.com. Fabulous. And of course, we'll put all of those links to your website and your email address too on the show blurb if you're listening to this from the show page. Now, Laurie, we're just about at the end of the call. It has been an incredible jam-packed call and I'm sure everyone's taken uh, great notes. But what would be one last key message that you'd like to share with lawyers when it comes to building their client base quickly through niching their business? Okay. My message is this. Be creative, be bold, and think out of the box. You're in the business of problem solving for clients, and the most effective way to do that so it's a win-win for you in your practice and for your clients is to know the specific problems your clients face, the specific solutions that they're looking for, and the value you can offer them when they retain you to help resolve those problems. Put your energy into this area and commit to success and your practice will grow. I love it. Now, Laurie, did you want to share with us just a little hint or tip about what you'll be sharing with us in the next show to help us grow our business, attract a steady stream of clients (laughs) to our law practice and, of course, get paid what we're worth? Absolutely. Well, we're going to be talking about a lot of exciting topics in the next few weeks. The next one, I believe, is going to be about branding your practice. Mm, Very important. Right. And like niching, you know, that has a special meaning that it may not be familiar or such a self-conscious step that every lawyer has taken. But when you step back and take a look at your practice, who you want to reach, what's the message you want to send them, branding becomes a very important component. Love it. Can't wait. Thanks again, Laurie, for sharing your wisdom. And again, of course, get in contact with Laurie. Have a discovery session because if you have not yet niched your law practice, this is just an incredible way that you can grow your client base. And of course, if you've just started your law practice, just like uh, the success story that Laurie shared of the other lawyer that she's working with, who is just quite new in his business too, you too can build your client base quickly too. Look forward to speaking with you in the next call too, Laurie. Bye for now. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Ask the Expert podcast. Are you an expert with a message to share with other ambitious entrepreneurs? To be considered for one of our featured guest spots on an upcoming expert podcast series, go to asktheexpertpodcast.com.